Our little sermon today is about taking responsibility. Jesus, you're here in this room with us. I don't understand how you do that. I don't understand how it is that that's possible, Lord, but you said that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of us. So I'm acknowledging your word is true, Lord, and that your presence is here with us right now. Lord, I thank you for being here with us now because I, I know that that means that this is not just an exercise in human futility, that this is a time and an opportunity where you speak to us through your word for our good and edification. So I'm going to ask, Lord, that you open every ear that's in this place. Lord, that the ears would not just be on the side of the heads, but the ears would hear your word the hearts would receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save them and that each life would do your word, Lord Jesus. But I'm conscious that there's lots of demonic distractions that people have brought in with them when they came here today. And so, Lord, I'm binding every one of those in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every spirit that would try and cause distraction that would try and undermine the word of God, which is able to make us well and whole and healed in you, Lord Jesus. And I take authority over every demonic spirit and muzzle it in the name of Jesus. It shall not dominate our mindsets, nor shall it control our thoughts at this time, Father. We take authority over it in Jesus' name. This is your place. This is your time. This is your word, Lord Jesus, and we are your people. Feed us, we pray today, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to talk to you about getting Jesus into our lives and living out Christ in our lives. I want to talk to you today about how to connect to other people effectively and effectively connecting to people like Christ connected to us. And we want to look at responsibility versus unreliability. And we're going to do that by looking at a, a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 14. Now, responsibility has to do with um, being responsible for yourself before God. And unreliability is the message that people get when you are not responsible towards other people and towards God. They get a message like it doesn't really matter. The idea is it doesn't really matter to come to church on time because I mean, we know that the car can break down. We know that there can be a number of things. World War III could break out just between Springwood and um, in the family car and stop you from getting here on time. We understand there are lots of exceptions to the rule. But speaking to you honestly and openly about things like punctuality Punctuality is a responsibility issue that you feel like, you know, I'm responsible. I mean, I know that every one of you um, in life would uh, look at your job and say, my job is valuable, and uh, if they say that the starting time is at 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, then you would probably be there at least quarter to 9, just to show that you are responsible. And that if you continued to front up late, you'd probably get the sack. 
well, you know that it's probably the case. So you don't, you don't try that out. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not, and I'm not going to put a heavy layer. This is not about making you feel guilty for coming late. Because it just, just feeds into this whole idea of responsibility. You do things because you deem them to be important. And because you deem them to be important, you pick up that thing and you carry it with you. You say, so if it's your punctuality to work, you say, you know, I, I, I value that work and so I'm going to pick up that thing which is called get out of bed on time and get to it. I don't care what it is. And, and you carry it with you so that you make sure that you place it down where it needs to be placed at the right time. And so people see, okay, he's reliable. When it comes to, you know, sack him, we won't sack him because that guy appeared half an hour before everybody else every day and he worked a full day and he's worth hanging on to. That guy's responsible. So we're talking about responsibility. So Romans chapter 14 verses 1 to 12 talks about responsibility, but it takes it a little bit deeper. And I'm going to take it really a lot deeper today and we're going, to, we're going to try and make this as practical as possible and as short as possible. And everybody said, you know, I'm responsible for the length of the sermon. I can make it really long or I can make it really short. I'm caught in a bind because I think to myself, you know, this is really important that you hear the word of God and when you hear the word of God, you understand the word of God and if you understand the word of God, then you change to live like the word of God, then you are better for it before God. So that way I think, well, let's take it all day. You know, let's preach all day so you get as much as you can today and get so much of the word of God that you live good all week. But I'm also responsible in that I think that you'll probably never come back again if I took it all day. And, and I want to I wanna keep you at the same time as I want to teach you as at the same time as I want to not uh, hurt you. So we're going to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be in small portions. And I'm going to try and keep it shorter for you so that you can learn more and hold more. Okay, we're going to read uh, this uh, passage of Scripture and I think what I might do is I might read the whole thing through. I'm going to ask Liz. She doesn't know this, but I'm just going to ask Liz to read the whole scrap patches through, and then I'm going to come back to it. Because I think that before... I'll flick through the slides as we're going, as she's reading it. Uh, she can read it for, for me, because she's got a lovely reading voice. Um, and she might want to read it out of my Bible. So for having to... You can read it off there. I've got small print and big print coming at you. Okay, you go for it. Off we go. Everybody watch, everybody read. Liz is going to read it with us. So Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat Judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. 
He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Amen. So, we'll go back to the beginning and start again now. And talk to you. So now, what has that got to do with responsibility? What on earth does that scripture have to do with responsibility? Well, I want to tell you the context of the verse first so that you can understand the context. And I want to draw some points out as we're going along. And as we're drawing the points out, you'll see how it deals with personal responsibility. Okay, the context of this passage, it's in the book of Romans. It's chapter 14. In Romans, uh, Paul is talking to, to the the, the, the recipients of this, pass, of this uh, book and telling them about the conflict that's in a church situation or in the church situation. As, and he says there's some difficulties occurring in the church because there are some who eat meat and some who don't eat meat. There are some who keep a certain day Sabbath and there are some who don't keep that day Sabbath and it's causing problems. And it depends on whether a person has a strong faith or a weak faith. So let's talk about the eating meat and let's see if we can understand what was going on that set up that situation. Eating meat or not eating meat. Well, they didn't have butchers back then and you couldn't go to Coles or your Kmart and, or Woolworths and buy you know, chops in, in, a, in a thing. You had to go down to the road and you had to get the, the meat from a guy who used to kill a beast. Now, the only reason they used to kill beasts there or animals there is because they believed in the killing of a beast. They were offering up some sort of sacrifice. So if you were a Jew, you'd go there and you'd offer up your beast and your sacrifice and the, and the priest would kill it and then you'd, you'd get to take some of it home and you'd give some to the priest and you'd, that's the way they'd get your meat or you'd kill your own meat. You know, you'd, That's how you got your meat to eat. Except in the church, and they lived in a, in a multicultural world, there's lots of guys out there killing lots of stuff. So there was chickens going left, right and centers. There was, there was uh, beef going left, right and centers. Sheep going, goats going left, right and centers. People were killing things all over the place. And they were killing it, not just to Jehovah God as an offering or a sacrifice. They were killing it to pagan gods. So they would have a little shrine set up there and in the shrine there would be some demon god sitting there going Rah, and they would be offering up the sacrifice, the animal, to the god. They'd kill it and they'd offer up certain parts of the sacrifice to the god as an as a offering to demons. This is part of their occult practice. 
And then they would cut the legs and the arms and things off the thing and they'd hang it up and they'd sell it to people to eat. So if you had strong faith, you'd go, I have that leg of lamb, please. And you'd go home and you'd cook the leg of lamb and say, thank you, Jesus, for the leg of lamb. You wouldn't worry about where you bought it from. You'd know it'd been killed in front of a pagan demon god, but it's meat and it's meat to eat and it's good and so why not eat it? And you'd have strong faith. But if you're a weak man, you would think that there was some demon thing got into the meat. And if you ate the demon meat, your demon would go inside of you and <laughs> you would have a demon inside of you if you eat the demon meat. You would be weak in your faith. So some people would say, oh, I'll never eat any meat that's been offered to a pagan god, a demon god sitting there. I'll never eat any meat. I'll only eat vegetables. And then other people would go down and say, yeah, I eat meat, man. What's wrong with you? It's, it's meat. It's just meat. You know, it's just meat. I pray God's blessing over it. All the demon stuff runs out of it. I, it's good. It's God's food for me. Thank you, Jesus. You know. Now, you get yourself in a situation where you're part of a family. You come to church. You go to church on the Sabbath day or whatever day they were having. Because that's the second question. Which day do you go to church? And you've done that all your life, as long as you grew up. So you might be a little fellow like this and you've... What's your name? Andrew. You're like Andrew and all of his days that he can ever remember, he used to follow his mother down to the place. He used to see them eat the demon meat and go, Hoo-hoo, demon meat. Don't eat that. That's full of demons. And he would go down and eat just vegetables because that was right, unless he could get meat from a, a good place. And as far as Andrew was concerned, that was the way it is because that's the way he was brought up. That's the way he knew things to be. What's your mate's name? Mercy. Wow, that's a good name. Are you merciful, Mercy? Is he your brother? Is he merciful? Oh, I don't want to know about that. Anyway, say Mercy came from a different family. And then Mercy's family, they would go down every day. He grew up seeing this. And Dad would go, I have that leg of lamb there. He knew that it had been offered up to a pagan demon god that's sitting in the corner. But he'd bring it home and he'd thank God for the ability to buy cheap meat at the markets. He'd take it down here, wash it, and say, thank you, Jesus, for this food. And he'd put it down and he'd roast it and everybody would have a look. And that's what he knew. That's all he knew. He grew up. That's what he knew. This man went to church on Sunday, the first day of the week, which is the day that the Lord rose from the dead. This man came from a Jewish family and he still met in the synagogue on Saturday. It's the day of the Lord, Saturday. So they're different in every regard. Both of them, following God, both of them cut differently. And if you get that picture, you get the idea that in a small-minded world, there's a whole lot of room for problems right there. Because some say you shouldn't eat it because there's demons involved in it. Others say you should eat it because God's bigger than the demons. Some say you've got to go to church on Saturday because that's the day we've always done it. And others say the Lord rose on the, on the first day of the week and that's the day you go to church. And all of a sudden you've got church Splits and people can't talk to each other and people screaming at each other and people arguing over everything because they do not get the point here. It's just a disputable matter. 
No one's right. It's all before God. And what does God doing that for anyway? Why don't he just put the rules down and say, this is it. Let's say it really clearly. It's just one day, and this is, you don't need me. Just why does he tell us black and white? And so we've all got it in black and white, and there'll be no poor problems because it's black and white. Why doesn't God do that? Because if a God would do that, it would be fixed up, wouldn't it? I mean, are you allowed to commit adultery? Yes or no? Well, that's a black and a white, isn't it? I mean, that's fixed up. Are you allowed to have other gods before him? Well, that's a black... Why don't God do a black and white on everything? Because he wants you to learn responsibility. Responsibility to him and responsibility to your fellow man. And the way he does that, he allows things to be in the grey. He allows things to be not quite clear because he wants you to take responsibility over yourself, over your mouth. Turn to your neighbour and say, I am responsible for what I say. You are. I want to talk to you about steps of responsibility. Responsibility is learned and it is earned. Everybody say, learned, something I learned at school, and earned, something I work to get. You know the difference? Learned and earned. Responsibility is learned and earned. We live in a world that is full of shifting sands. In fact, it's very difficult for us to put a foot down anywhere because everybody's got a different idea about everything. I mean, there are some black and white issues. And so some of the black and white issues, when the job starts at 8 o'clock, if you want to keep the job, you usually front up at 8. That's a black and white issue. That's, a, we, we just, that's it. But when it comes to church attendance, it's not so black and white because, you know, we're not going to make that rule and everybody can come when they will. And you know, sometimes come, people come late and culturally it's different. You know, we've got island time, we've got African time, we've got English time, we've got all kinds of different time. And it's different kinds of mentality associated with different kinds of culture. So it's not really right to say a hard line thing, so we just leave it up. It's shifting sense. So everybody does what's right in their own mind. They make their own mind. Oh, it's better that I get to church than not get to church. So if I, it's better I get there late than not get there at all. Good reasoning. I'd rather you come for the sermon than not come at all. You know, there's a whole lot of ideas about coming to church late that can be justifiable. That's okay. So it's not a black and white issue. It's shifting sand. And I can say to you, you should come to church and on time and some of you say oh I'm, oh I'm yes 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 and it won't make any difference you will still come to church late anyway because that's the way it is because it's not to you it's not important and 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 that's our society it's not that you and i'm not making any judgments here about coming to church late i don't care when you come i'm glad you're here if you didn't come i'd probably miss you what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to get you to to own something here in terms of yourself you've got to own something take responsibility of something so you have to take responsibility of who you are and what you believe whether you believe you can eat meat or not eat meat whether you believe you can go to church on sunday or go to church on saturday you have to take responsibility to do that 
whether it is something you learnt from your parents or something that you've earned in terms of your work, you take responsibility and you wholly commit to it. We live in a, in a society which has learned to disperse responsibility so that no one is responsible. Group action at a, at a football game. We, we got a rooter. You can do anything you like in a crowd. You can throw stuff at players. You can do stuff. Why? It's dispersed. The responsibility is dispersed. The whole riot was in the whole crowd. Everybody started breaking windows. We all started stealing stuff. Everybody did what was right there and they can't track us. But we've got cameras laying on you and we've got your face now and we're going to come and get you. We're going to hunt you down. We're going to find out where you are. In Britain, they hunted down and found out everybody who was trying to steal stuff from the riots and everybody who went in there and carried stuff out, they took their picture and they took that and they hunted and hunted and hunted until they found every person and made every person responsible for what they did. There's a dispersed responsibility when you get in the crowd. It's like, oh, everybody's doing it, therefore we all do it. And we're not responsible. That concept is not a biblical concept. God wants you to own what you believe. He's not saying don't eat meat offered to idols. And he's not saying only eat vegetables. He's saying, I don't care what you do. Just be fully convinced of what you're doing and take responsibility for your situation and for your thoughts and for your action. You be responsible for what you believe. I don't have a problem with those who eat meat, he says. If they're responsible about it. And so he's talking to us. Now we get our levels of what's required from a lot of different places. I talked to one guy about his culpability or his responsibility for God for his sin and that Jesus died for his sin personally on I think it was Friday or, or, or Thursday. Was it Thursday? Bob, what day was that? Friday. And he said, I, I get that. And then he said this, this amazing thing. He says, but he says, I'm not responsible. And I looked at him and said, how is that, Bob, that you are not responsible? He said, it's the society in which I was born that trained me to do it and think that way. If I was born in a different society, I would have thought and, and think and do differently. I said, that's true. He says, my parents had a certain view. And if I was born to different parents, I would have thought and thought differently. And then my peers had a certain way about them. And so that's, I am not responsible for me. Uh, they are responsible for my condition. That sound familiar? I mean, does that sound familiar to you? You know, when somebody says, hey, you got here late, and you say, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I didn't really get here late. I, I fully intended to get here on time. It was the car that broke down that stopped me. I am not responsible. The petrol ran out of the car. I am not responsible. World War Three broke out in the back seat. The kids fought like places. I had to stop in the car and bring discipline into the car. Yeah, I'm, yeah I am not responsible. Does that sound familiar? It's not about what's right or wrong here. It's about whether you take responsibility for yourself. I don't care whether you come late or not. I'm not the one jumping. Some people do, but I'm not the one jumping up and down about it. And I'm not jumping up. It's using it as an illustration. Take responsibility for it. Own it. You see, you are still... Responsible for God, before God, for the choices that you make. 
It doesn't matter your society. It doesn't matter your family. It doesn't matter your culture. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in life and your friends. It doesn't matter what's around you that's influencing. You are responsible for you. You can think independently of all those and not do. If everybody says, we are going to be jumping off the story bridge at 12 o'clock on Monday because Jesus is coming back. Come on, come with me. Let's all jump off and let's jump into his arms off the story bridge. And you'd say, you know, and everybody's coming with me. Have you coming with me now, everybody? Everybody, Yeah, we're all coming to jump off the bridge. You know what? I'll be the only one standing on the bridge. Why? Because you're responsible for you and you won't follow that. Crazy people have followed that sort of thing before. People who have got into their heads and deceived them and told them that somebody's coming in a spaceship, lay down and take this drug and we'll meet them in the sky. And they walk in and find dead bodies laying everywhere because they didn't take responsibility to think differently to the person who was trying to manipulate them. See, you are responsible for your actions. And usually what happens is Responsibility starts with you making choices and those choices usually start in a small way. So whether it's a bad thing or it's a good thing, whether you're responsible for a bad thing or whether you're responsible for a good thing, it doesn't really matter. Responsibility in a bad thing or responsibility in a good thing usually starts in a small thing. So you're not responsible for getting blind drunk every night of the week. You're responsible, firstly, for going to the bottle and having a drink when you were upset at the very beginning of the exercise, years before you became an alcoholic. You're responsible not to deal with a situation, but to escape somewhere else, in something else, using something else, rather than do what the Word of God says to do with your anxiety and stress. You say, well, I'm not responsible for the calamity that's befalling me now, the broken life that I am, the drug addiction that I have. I'm not responsible for me because my life was crap when I was born and it was crap when I was growing up and it was crap when I reached adolescent years. I had to get away. You know, you started way back then learning little things, doing little things that you kept on doing, which ended up being a big thing. You're responsible. You know why I know you're responsible for that? Because other people in similar situations, exactly like your situations, have made different choices and ended up in a different place. Some people have had the worst upbringing you could ever hear. Some people have had the worst experiences in their lives you could ever experience. Some people you think, you know, why don't you just blow your brains out right now and finish the drama? And they don't. And you know why they don't? Because as they learned that, as they were growing up, every little thing they saw, Grandma just gave it to Jesus. Grandma gave it. I'm just going to give it to Jesus. I said, be like, oh, you're going to give it to Jesus now. And they learned little bits by little bit, doing little things to be responsible for this. And their little things grew up into a life of dynamic faith and not despair. Taking responsibility in the small thing leads to a big thing. Being responsible for small sins leads to big sins. What you do in the smallness, you will do in a bigness. And what you do makes you responsible. 
No one's forcing you to do anything. Everything we do has a starting point. Everywhere we go has a starting point. Wherever we are in life now is because we've been on a journey somewhere. And if we don't like where we are now, take responsibility for where you are now and do 180 degrees, turn around and let Jesus change it. Take responsibility for it. Say, I recognize my sin. I stop blaming others for it. I recognize my grief that I'm producing God. I stop accusing my society for not looking after me. I recognize that I'm making wrong choices and I'm making bad decisions all the way along here and I'm going to stand up and stop blaming other people for what's happening around me and take responsibility for me. God wants us to be responsible. He's trying to get us to grasp the reality that you really are the center of your choices. And you will be held accountable for the choices that you make before him. So we need to stop making excuses about our behavior. We need to stop saying, oh, that's because... Now, I remember I learned a really ugly lesson once, and I'm just going to throw this in here. I, I was asked to, I was a minister in a church, and um, one of the other ministers asked me to go and pick him up. Senior minister asked me to pick him up and take him to the annual general meeting. And I said, okay, Jen and I will go and we'll come drop by and we'll pick you up and take you to the annual general meeting. Right. Anyway, before I picked up, because I'm the guy who go for you come in my car, I'll go for you, and everybody, I'll, I'll, I'll get you. I'm, I'm that one. Something wrong there, but anyway. So I get the first guy, and he's the minister too. He's the principal of the Bible college. He climbs in the car, and he says, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He says, we've got the seniors. We're late, we're late, we're late, we're late, we're late. He's, he's, he's got to push, 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 push. I said, yeah, no, so I've got to, just got to go around and get Pastor so-and-so. No, 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 no. He says, no, you don't want to do that. He knows how to get there. He knows he's got his own car. But I'd given him my word that I would go around and get him. I had actually said, but this guy, I'm sitting there and think, well, this guy's really pushy now and I'm feeling like really. And I thought, okay, all right, we'll just go there. And I refused to keep my word. So I didn't drop around to the senior minister to pick him up to take him to the annual I just went straight to the annual general meeting and the minister had to say, where's Mark? He's not here. I'll have to get in the car and drive myself. That's not, a, not, that's not a good look, hey. So come the, come the staff meeting on the Monday where all the ministers get together and have a talk. Oh, we, we fronted up at the night and then uh, when the senior minister come, he just looked at me and I thought, I'm dead. I'm dead meat. You see, because I had given my word and I had been influenced. Now I sat in that, <laughs> I sat in that meeting and I turned to the man who influenced me and I said, oh, I want to plead innocence. He's the one who's to blame here. Because he carried on like a pork chop and wanted me to go straight there. That's why I didn't fulfill my word to you. And the senior minister just looked at me and it didn't wash with him. And I learned a very important lesson at that point of time. Be responsible for your own life. Because in the end, you're going to be held responsible for the things you do. The other guy, 
he got off scot-free. I got nailed because I wasn't reliable. Admit your mistakes. Responsibility admits your mistakes. Look, Rahanji, have you done anything wrong in your life? Have you? You have? Do you admit your mistakes? Well, that's good. She was just wandering outside somewhere, so I thought I'd bring her back. You see, that's it. Admitting your mistakes. A lot of us don't want to do that. When, usually when we are bitter because other people have hurt us and we are in pain because other people have misused us or we are in situations where injustice has clouded us and everything is not fair around us and we, we think that the circumstances about us are not fair and we get this weight of evidence that it's been tough for us and it's not fair and when we get the not fair thing happening inside of us and it's building up inside of us, we think that we are justifiably acting irresponsibly when we have a go to try and fix it up or do something. You think, it's not me, it's that. The beat, beaten wife syndrome, you know? Why did you shoot him five times through the head while he's asleep? He used to beat me, Your Honour. Oh, what are you pleading? The beaten wife syndrome. What's the beaten wife syndrome? I am not responsible for killing him while he slept rather than walking out and going somewhere else. He is responsible for his own death because he beat me so much. That's why I shot him through the head while he's asleep. And what's the judge say? They say it's okay? Sometimes they say it's okay. And other times they say, you know, you're responsible. You're responsible. They only plead it's okay if there's a case of insanity. What's it? Irreduced responsibility because of mental insanity. Otherwise, if you're sane and you do it, you are dead. I mean, you're going to go to jail. Why? Because you're responsible. So we have to admit our mistakes, accept that you can't control other people and, and stop blaming other people. You know, we try and control everybody else around us. We try and get everybody to do this thing. You know, you're eating meat and you shouldn't eat meat. You know, we try to control a whole, you know, community. Let's all become vegan. Let's all stop eating meat because eat, eating meat is demonic. <laughs> and try and control the whole society. I want to live in a society where no one eats meat, where we dust away the insects from under our feet. I want to live in a society where we won't kill or hurt anything. Yeah, we'll go to Buddhism because Buddhism does that. It's not Christianity. That Buddhism. You see, you need to recognize that as you stop complaining and stop looking at everybody and stop blaming, that a lot of it just comes back to you and the choices that you make. And so that's what he's saying there. One person esteems one day above another and another esteems every day alike. Lead, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. What he's saying is here, look, don't be, well, I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know whether I should eat meat or not eat meat. He says, make up your mind one way or the other. Don't be shifting sand. Be solid in a world that doesn't know where it's going. Have some convictions. Get some faith about your life. Get some ideas in your head about what's going on. And they may not be what everybody else thinks, but get them anyway and hang on to them in Jesus' name because it's better to be solid about something than shifting about everything. 
I don't agree with everything that everybody says who stands up in this church. It doesn't matter. And everybody who sits there and listens to me doesn't necessarily agree with everything I say. And that doesn't matter either. You know what Jesus said? He says, be fully convinced in your own mind where you are. Be responsible for what you believe. And stop looking around at other people and making judgments. Because that doesn't work. Not in any way. Oh, we've got lots of little things, disputable matters in our society. Well, should we vaccinate our children or not vaccinate our children? Oh, let's not go there. World War III will break out in this church. Should you homeschool or not homeschool? Holy dooly, let's not go there. Should you have technology or not have technology? Oh, watch out. Here we go. Are you one of those non-techo people, weirdos? Got to keep pace with the modern world. Come on now. Come on. There are so many disputable issues. Which way should we have communion? Standing on our head or standing on our feet? Seriously now, do we have leavened bread or unleavened bread? Grape juice or Coke? Seriously now, let's, let's, let's get a debate going here. Let's get some division going here, says the devil. Let's destroy everything. You, know, you be responsible for what you believe. Are you a Calvinist and you believe that you'll go to heaven? doesn't matter what you do because Jesus saved you and you're preserved forever. Or are you an Arminius and you're making choices? I don't care what you believe. You believe it. Is Jesus coming back? Before the tribulation or after the tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation? What do you believe? I don't care what you believe. I want you to believe something. Be solid. Take control. Whatever you believe, believe it with all your heart. And if it's a disputable matter, that's okay. But if it's a non-disputable matter, as if the word has said, thou shalt not kill, and you go out and kill somebody, I believed in all my heart I should have killed them. You're in trouble because that's a non-disputable issue. We're talking about disputable issues here. You got the drift? He doesn't want you to be shifting sand. I respect you if you believe something different to me. And I'm not going to necessarily make you change your mind. I will comfortably sit with you and enjoy the diversity. You say, how can you do that, Mark? Because the word of God tells me that's what I should do. Comfortably sit and enjoy the diversity because to the Lord he keeps the day and to the Lord he eats the bread. And to the Lord he doesn't keep the day and to the Lord he doesn't eat the meat. To the Lord he stands and the Lord will make him stand. And I better enjoy the diversity because when I get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of different diverse people with a lot of different ideas that we all couldn't agree with when we get him. But when we stand before him, it'll all become clear. We'll see him face to face and it'll all sort itself out in the end. Take responsibility for where you are. He says, For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For it is, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. At the end of the exercise, you are responsible before God. If you don't know what to believe, you are responsible before God because you do not know what to believe. Have you not got the Word of God? Can you not search it out? Can you not find out what the Word of God says? Are you somehow brain dead that you can't think any longer? Do you need to be told or can you search it out for yourself? If you have the Word of God and you can apply yourself to it and read the Word of God, you may discover the Word of God will give you the answer for you. It may not be the answer that the other person gets, but it may be the answer that you need and what you get. And that's good enough. Hang on to that.
because God spoke to you through his word. And there are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. You are God's adopted son and daughter. He's going to talk directly to you. If you're not listening to him, he'll get somebody else to talk to you. But if you're listening to him, he will talk directly to you. Now, I, I think about Joseph, you know, I think about his life, and I, and, I, and I see how responsibility was one of the undergrounding pillars of Joseph's life. You know, remember Joseph's story? He had some visions about how God was going to raise him up over his brothers and his father, and he, they were all going to bow down and worship him, and they, they all hated him because of that. They sold him into slavery, and they sold him to the Egyptians and the Midianites, took him away, and they sold him into Potiphar's house where he became a slave to Potiphar's house. But the man had the sense of God's calling and direction on him. He knew God had spoken to him, and he knew that this was just the journey on which he was traveling to reach his potential in God. And in the situation he found himself, he became responsible and started doing responsible things. He started to act responsibly. And of course, there were situations that came up upon his life to try and lead him away from being responsible, to try and show that he was irresponsible, unreliable. He got seduced by a very powerful and attractive woman, I would imagine, who wanted him to sleep with. He, he refused that. And because he was responsible for God, before God, he ended up in jail. They, they didn't believe him, they believed her, and they chucked him in jail. And then when he was in jail, he decided to be responsible before God. He said, I know it's in a terrible situation that I'm finding myself and I know it's horrible and no one understands. I am alone in this horrible misery. I am, I am so in pain. I am deserted from all around me. Only God has left to stand with me. Shall I give up it now and say, I don't care. I should have slept with that woman. Shall I give up now and curse God and die in the middle of this dungeon? No, in all of his situations, and all of his pains, he said, I'm responsible for the choices I make. I'm not going to blame the injustice. I'm not going to blame my brothers. I'm not going to blame. God determined all this. God has determined all this for fulfilling my life in him. All the pain and the hardship that I'm going through, God has determined. I'll take responsibility to walk before God. Before God, I stand in the midst of this pain. Lead me in your path. Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. I'm responsible for you. I'm responsible to you. And it doesn't matter what I face. I'm not letting that go because you will bring it out in the end. Friends, we need to learn to deal with our responsibility. Our world is very easy. Well, God's... God's plan for us is fallen in pleasant places. We, we woke up and we could come to church whatever time you wanted to come to church today. There was no pressure on you to conform. No one's going to shoot you when you got here and you got here late. No one was going to cut your, your, your power off if you came to church or put you in jail if you're fronted at church. It's a pretty pleasant place. You can believe whatever you want to believe in Australia. It's pretty multicultural. It's pretty open. You know, whatever goes, go wherever goes, whatever. And you've arrived here today and it's pretty easy for you. The problem with living in easy street is you can tend to be less responsible than if you lived in the hard circumstances where things cost more. So, I mean, you can take it easy and no one's really going to say anything to you. Oh, you might get the pass, you might stand up and talk about responsibility and make you feel guilty because you come to church. Yeah, 
as though that's going to change your life. It's not going to change your life. You can live quite easily where you are because nothing's required of you. You see, the only way that you're going to deal with this responsibility issue is you're going to have to take yourself in hand and say, I am going to be responsible. Irrespective of what everybody else is saying, I am going to be responsible in this land of ease and plenty. That means you have to deal with pleasure and leisure. Everybody say, pleasure and leisure. Turn to the person beside you and say, I like the pleasure thing. I play with the leisure thing. We are in a country that lives on the great weekend. Whoa, come Friday night, watch out. What do we do Friday night? Party time. And usually if we're really wicked and are really going well, the party doesn't finish till sometime Monday morning when we're staring in. And the younger you are, the longer you can party. I can go three days without sleep when I'm really partying on the stuff that I party on. And watch it. I'm not much good for anything Monday morning. Uh, Who loves Mondays? Let's write a song about hating Mondays. We live in Easy Street. And the only difference between you and somebody else is you're going to be responsible for your sin and live like that or you're going to be responsible for your life of dedication and you're going to live like that whatever you're going to do in the small thing you're going to, if it's nice and nice and easy and everything is in your pleasure and your leisure time you're going to choose whether you want to sit up all night night last night like i sat up last night and i confess it before the congregation of the church and i, I humbly submit to you god and say sorry till 10 o'clock watching downtown what is it downtown Downton Abbey. Who's ever heard of that nonsense UK TV show? How slow and how... And my daughter is... I blame my... See? I have to take responsibility. I sat with my wife. I'm my wife. Hey, let's watch some... It's a pretty slow sort of, you know, TV program that goes on about people's lives in some abbey, you know, where they all live. You know, and it's like you watch 45 minutes of it and say, well, what happened? Nothing. We have to watch the next one. So put that one in. The, and now that's now it's an hour and a half. And at the end of it, it's 10 o'clock. And you think, what? What did I do that for? Wow. Yeah, I love my wife. That's it. Yeah, got a pain in my shoulder now too. So, <laughs> so will I do it again? <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> I probably will, but I probably won't do it on a Saturday night. <laughs> <clears throat> What you do with your leisure and your pleasure time will determine what you do with your whole life. If you live for your flesh, from your flesh you will reap destruction. If you live for God from your spirit, you will reap life. Leisure and pleasure, if you're an athlete, are something that you do not consider in the process of being an athlete. If you think that education is a social event by which you're creating friendships and developing a network of people which you can party with, and that's what you do from grade 8, grade 7, grade 7, grade 8, 9, 10, and 11, and 12, you are probably going to find yourself in a bit of a mess by the time you get to grade 12. Because those who have decided that school is an education, a time where they focus and their human directions are secondary to their study, will probably do a far lot better than you if you're all in it for party time. Party, 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 party. So it's being responsible means you have to take things like leisure and pleasure and you have to decide what you're going to kill and what you're going to let live. So some of the games like... Uh, 
clashes of the clans. Have you seen that? Who's experienced that? Put your hand up if you experienced that. Oh, look at that. Clashes. Uh, do we have an hour sheet about how many hours you spend on that? Oh, you know, I knew it was a trouble because I, you know, I'd go to search a news on my, on my thing and read the newspaper on my thing. And it would come up this flick and it said, free download, Clash of the Clans. And this little, this, this thing, you know, I'm a wizard and I, I can throw a fire flying wizard. And I think, yeah, who would free download that? Obviously, some people would. <laughs> James told you to do it. All right. Now, now let's just, just think about this now because I bet you now that you're in university, you don't go there as much as you used to go there. You would not go there as much. See, the Clash of the Clans works on the fact that you have these little battles going on with these clans and you work out and you, and you destroy different clans and it's all, it's all very intriguing. It's strategy and it's all gets your head going there. And, uh, and so what, that's what I'm told anyway. I've never played the game. But while you're doing that, it's like Denton Evan, Abbey. While you're doing that, what else are you missing? You see, it's like God gives you a number of essential things to keep in the air. Who's got one of those Rubik's cubes? Have we got one of those around there? Give me a Rubik's cube. Throw it to me. Ah, well, the Rubik's cube, it went out because it got boring. So we may have to make it different. It's a Rubik's triangle now. Okay, Always another one coming right behind that. We have, the, have we got the Rubik's circle yet? No, there'll be a Rubik's circle soon, a Rubik's ball coming out at you. So um, I don't know how to do this. You obviously do, and you, want, you bought it here to show everybody how good you're at it. And how many hours did it take you to actually get that, you know? Well, now you see, you've got the pattern, you see, and you just do it really quick, and everybody goes, oh, that's amazing. But that takes a lot of hours. So, so this is like one of the things that you put into your essentials that you're flying around. Well, why do you put that in your essentials? Because the balls that you're juggling in the air that you don't want to drop on the ground are the things that are going to give you importance in life. That there is going to give you status. That there is going to give you status amongst your peers. So you've got to keep that up in the air and you've got to keep on doing it until you've got that really worked out well because then people say, man, have you seen how fast he is on that thing? Wow, look at that. Look at the hand move, one-handed. And everybody goes, hey, you're the man, you're the man. You spent 500 years learning that, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did, you idiot. <laughs> so God gives us essentials. We add certain things in that we think are important and we try and juggle them. And the best thing about life is you have to keep all the essential things in the air. You can't drop any of them. So God gives you children and you throw them in the mix. You've got your children in the mix. You've got your children in the mix. You've got to keep the children in the mix. I hate children. I hate parenting. I hate crying children. Keep them in the mix. Keep the, be a responsible parent. You've got to read, I can't stand children. I want to kill all my children. Keep them all in the air. You've got to keep on going. You can't drop that ball. If you drop that ball, it's called marriage breakdown. Not responsible. You keep it in the air. It gives you a job. So you got your children, you got your job, you got your job in the air, you got your children in the air. I'm doing all this work and you drop the children. I'm doing all this work for the family. Where's your children? I don't know. Oh, I dropped them. <laughs> you worked so long, you neglected your family. Not responsible. You see, the essentials are the things that you have to keep in the air. So you've got work and you've got your family. You've got your, you work and family, work and family. And my TV show, my TV show, work and family, TV. Oh, 
drop something because the TV show took too much time from the work and the family. Oh, my searching through Google. Oh, oh, my vice, my sin, my sin, my... And everything's dropped on the floor. See, God gives you essential balls to keep in the air. and You have to keep them all in the air. And it's your responsibility to keep them in the air. It's no one else's responsibility. You add what you will in the mix, but if what you add into the mix makes you drop your precious things, watch out. You are the only one responsible for dropping them. No one else is responsible. You took something else into the mix. If you've got God in the mix and you say, he's, re- oh, he's so important, and then you add TV in there and TV takes you away from God, you're responsible for dropping God because you added TV in into the mix God gives you essentials and responsibility says I'm going to look at my priorities we, we were talking about in prayer today before priorities what are your priorities they are the essential things that you have to keep in the air have you sat down with yourself and with Jesus and said give me a list of priorities what is first that I should never, ever let go. What is second that I should keep there? What is third that I should keep in the mix? And if you can say, I have no more time for anything else, then don't put anything else in the mix until you put something else down. I want to live for myself I want to go on holidays with myself. I want to be quiet and away from everybody else. Then don't even contemplate that until you reach a retirement and your wife has died. Because if you're married and you have children and you have responsibilities, you can't be thinking about a midlife crisis to where you're going to run off and do your own thing now forevermore. Take responsibility for your life. You stand before God. So start small. This is the issue. Start small. Oh, put your hand up if you think there's got to be some changes take place in your life. Be honest. Be ruthlessly honest with me. All right. We're on the same page. There's some things that got to change. That's a good place to start. Good place to start. Don't come to me and tell me that God has asked you to do this radical thing that's just going to change your whole life. Boop! Like that. Like, it just won't happen. It won't work. As sin got going in your life, so get righteousness going. Small things first. I need to change. I'm spending way too much time doing this thing. Yeah, well, you need to stop that thing. Hey, well, what are you going to replace it? You've got to pull down the castle. What are you going to put it up in its place? I mean, you do not go and live out on the street when you're evicted from a building, do you? You go and find another building to live in. So you've got something that you're doing, which is like, you know, you shouldn't be doing Build a building, you know, and move into it. You, you spend too much time watching TV? Well, I, I, you know what? I'm going to get with some guys, and we're going to meet during the week. We're going to turn the gear off, put our phones away. We're going to leave all our phones at the door. We're going to go into that room. We're going to pick up an old-fashioned Bible with pages in it. We're going to read the pages together. We're going to talk together. We're going to ask Jesus to help us to live our lives before God honorably. And we're going to commit to one another to do this on a regular basis. Why? Because we need to be responsible to each other as we are to God. And we're going to do this to start. 
And then we're going to ask God to lead us. And then after you've done that for 500 years, he may say to you, I want you to go and be a missionary in such and such a place because you've learned to do this and you've learned some things. You know, Nothing ever moves quickly in the economy of God. We often want to do... I, I, look, when I, was, when I was first called, I felt God call me, lay on my heart to go into ministry. I come out of my bedroom, <clears throat> walked into the hallway, and my father was coming down. He, I, you, you probably don't remember this. He's coming down the other way. And I said to him, Dad, God's called me. You know what the next words came out of his mouth were? Very wise words. He says, the wheels of God turn very slow and grind exceeding small. You remember that? Sort of. I remembered it because it hit me. Nothing happens in God quick, fast time. And when everything happens in God, it really breaks you down till you are very small. In the end of the exercise, if you think that God has called you, you better start walking because this journey is a long journey and at the end of it, He's going to deal with everything about you and make you completely responsible to Him. Start Him. Get up in front. Thousands of people, watch out, the power's coming out of my hand. Watching too much TV. Ministry is something different to that. Ministry is getting with one person and sharing your faith with them, and walking with them and committing to walk with them. Even if it takes 10 years to walk with them. Even if it takes 20 years to walk with them. Even if it takes 50 years to walk your life with them. It's what it's committed. It's the responsibility of serving Jesus. Not about fame, not about fortune, not about anything else. It's about the wheels of God grinding small and you taking responsibility. And I close with this statement. When I was in Bible college, a group of people were going to start a, a church in a town called Lawson in the Blue Mountains. Lawson is a horrible, smelly little place. Got a train station on one side, a pub on the corner, sort of a memorial walk, bush walk, and then, you know, just grubby little houses all on one side. And, and stuck on a, a road that head up, wound up the Blue Mountains at the back of... The people who lived there, people who couldn't afford to live in Sydney. They just, because it was like, you know, the dumping place before you moved out to somewhere else. There lots of dysfunctional people there, lots of hippies, lots of witches, lots of old. And they had a Bible college right on top, Mount Katoomba, Bible college, Commonwealth Bible college. I was going to go there. I went to the Bible college. They decided to, to pioneer a church and they were looking for a pastor. And I had some pastoral experience in, in in Garden City Church before I went there with you. And I said, we want you to be the pastor of that church. I said, I thought to myself as I drove through that hillbilly town with a smelly plantation and yuppies, not yuppies, but you know, what are the other ones? The difference to the yuppie, they're uh, not even hippies, the uh, Logan Bogans. They're all there everywhere, Bogans are. Uh, no way, <laughs> no way will I go to Lawson Town. No, no way will I spend my precious life in a hick town with only 3,000 people. I'm bigger than 3,000 people. My congregation will be 3,000 people. Whoa, you haven't even seen what I can do. Oh, Look into your heart. Are you that big? 
You think you got that much? And God said to me, if I had told you to go into the outback to five and spend your whole life serving five people in the outback, would you go for me? If that's what I asked you to do. And he caught me in my sin. And he caught me in my irresponsibility. Ministry wasn't about what he wanted me to do. It was about what I wanted to get for myself. And he caught me there and ground me to a powder. I said, yes, Jesus. I'll go to Lawson. It was the death of me. Oh, we got a church of about the size of this congregation. Oh, we got lots and lots of people saved. And they all left the church because it's transient, transient place. And they left and they went and joined other churches and they went into the ministry. And I have men in the ministry all around Australia because of the work that we did there. But it wasn't big enough for me. God is not looking for what you think about. He's looking at your heart to see if you are going to be responsible. I'm looking for a man and a woman who will stand in the gap Lose yourself. To you, God, I stand. Help me to be responsible. You see, we often want things for ourselves that God doesn't want for us. And what he really is doing, he's looking at us and saying, you know what I want is I want you to learn to listen to me and obey me. Bottom line. If you do that, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in 20 years. I'll sort it. So when 20 years come, it'll be okay. I just want you to be responsible. Each one shall give an account himself to God. Put your hand on your chest. Close your eyes. Lord Jesus. Pray with me, Lord Jesus, help me to be responsible to further your work, to be the one you want me to be. Help me to make the hard decisions on a regular basis to fulfill your will. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen.